0: Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at Mike C. tennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn
1: more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack.
0: You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now.
1: Well, it's, it's a pleasure for us to get joined by Samdev Devarman, and we should note that Noah is practicing. He may or may not uh, hop by, depending on how his practice goes. But Samdev, thank you for joining us. I, I was just saying before you we turn on the microphones here, uh, you're wearing the Virginia tennis shirt. I mean those those trademark Babolat shoes here that I remember so well from a few years ago. I mean it, it, you don't look like you've changed in the least.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here um and in terms of yeah the virginia shirt i had to steal it out of tret uh, suitcase the babolat shoes actually i've had for uh, since i've retired really? so yes so uh, they go back a long way and the good thing is they listen i don't run the same way i used to <laughs> so my shoes last me a lot longer than they used to
1: um for, you had an incredible collegiate career a very very good professional career as well And for people who might not know, what have you been doing with yourself since you officially retired in 2017?
2: Officially 2017, um, unofficially, I mean, the last match I played was March 2016. That's when I decided, I thought I'd, you know, give it a shot, maybe five, six months off. Uh, Maybe I'd feel healthier. Maybe I'd want to come back. Uh, Maybe I'd feel hungry again. And when that didn't happen, 2017 was the retirement. But listen, I feel like I've done a lot. And I feel like I'm constantly busy. It's just uh, one of those things. Uh, I mean, a couple of things that I have done, you know, I had started a, a non-profit when I was still playing, mm-hmm. uh, trying to work with kids in, uh, in India. That's still ongoing. And uh, apart from that, uh, right now I'm in Savannah with you. I was in um, Sarasota. I was in Tallahassee. And one of the things I'm working on is uh, working with Sumit Nagal who is uh you know young indian player not 24 um, you can decide if that's young or not uh, I, I let other people decide young. but yeah working with him he's just coming off uh, a little injury and uh, trying to make his way back and uh, he actually wears a little t- uh, my my career high was 62 yeah. so he wears a little thing on his neck you can ask him about it it's a uh, It says Project 61, (laughs) and uh, so I'm happy to be on his team, and I'm happy for him to uh, try and beat my ranking, which uh, no Indian has done in at least 30 years, I believe. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, so yeah, that's one of the things. Um, Apart from that, uh, you know, I I I have done quite a lot of broadcasting in the last uh, four or five years, uh, all of it out of India. Started off with the Olympics in 2016 where I had a lot of time on my hands at that time, but then, you know, continued um, with the same channel in India. Uh, I've done the Aussie Open for the last four years at least. I've done the Olympics. I've done Asian Games. And I'm looking forward to doing the French Open uh, in just a couple of weeks. So between broadcasting, a, a good amount of tennis coaching. Um, on my free time, I play music, uh, working on an album. Um, no kidding. Yeah, so singer-songwriter. Uh, and just, 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 uh, I mean... You know, honestly, when I stopped playing tennis, one of the things that went through my mind was, you know, there's a lot of things I've always wanted to do. And if I don't do it now, um, I don't know when that will happen. So, number one um, was, you know, very lucky to be with someone that I was in love with. So, got married and settled down and... uh, absolutely loving that aspect of life but yes. other than that she was also very supportive about you know the thing is is that a lot of the things i wanted to do weren't exactly lucrative yes. so <laughs> finding the balance between hobbies and a profession has been a challenge but yes. it's been fun so this music and I, I, we'll, we'll
1: get to the tennis here in a second but the, <laughs> the music tell us stylistically Kind of what path are you going on? I, I know you're a, you were a big Dave Matthews Band fan. Is that the type of style?
2: sing uh, singer songwriter. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, I, I'll be the first to say it. I'm not an incredible guitarist, but I am okay. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten a lot better over the last four five years because yeah. of the time. Yes. Um, but I I you know I started off um, by writing a, a song about uh, why I stopped tennis really? and how I stopped tennis and uh, and the reasons behind it at least emotionally for me uh, you know i felt like there was no better way to communicate it um and uh, and that's how it started one song and then i realized that i have a lot of things i want to say and <laughs> sometimes it's just easier to say it through a different uh, medium yes. rather than uh, you know get into a boxing match with something with with belief and, and and your belief versus other people's and uh, i'm not here to fight man okay. i'm i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just right, enjoying it so we won't it. have any debates here today <laughs> we can <laughs> we can but they'll be friendly uh,
1: so so then what was the what was the reason for stopping how much of it was body how much of it was mind uh
2: you know i think one of the things is is uh, body was had a part to play undoubtedly yeah. uh I, I you know I, I don't i'm not i don't want to be one of those guys that said i stopped because i was hurt you know because i was hurt before i came back from it and broke the top 100 again after shoulder surgery. Yeah. So, uh, for me, uh, you know, one of the reasons, uh, you know, I, I wasn't the biggest hitter of the ball. Um, I felt like a, a big part of my game relied on, you know, not just the legs and the lungs and and uh, the understanding of the game. Obviously, that was a big part of it. But a big part of it was, you know, how hungry and motivated I was to come out there and fight those 30 all points and 1530s and... You know bring those points back and uh, you know after tough losses the motivation I would have you know when I was under track or when I was in the gym um, you know I felt like one of my strengths uh, of my tennis uh, and this is obviously only people close to me would know uh, was how hungry you are as a tennis player yes. and, I, and I think that's a very underrated uh, thing that people look at because you know when you're looking at a match you don't see the work that goes behind it uh, when you're looking at a career, definitely you can see a little bit more, but uh, you know that was one of my strengths. And I and I said it, uh, I said it before, but you know I felt like that motivation was dwindling a little bit, and you know that's not good or bad. It's just what it was. Yeah, uh, I had different interests. I was you know growing up, and you know I was 30. I was still growing up. Yeah, you know I was a veteran on the tour, but uh, there was a lot of things in my life that I, I felt like were taking my attention away from. Um, the full attention that it had from the time I joined college, even before that till the time I stopped, mm. you know? And so once that um, starts getting lower and lower, and once you don't want to train the way you, you used to, or once you, your body doesn't also allow you to train the way you used to, then I'd, I never felt like it was fair for me to expect the same kind of uh, results that I wanted to have. Yeah. And honestly, uh, you know, I had no disrespect to, you know, guys that are out here grinding. I love the grind. That's why I'm out here again. And I see the different battles that people go through. Um, but you know, I, I felt like I really want, I, I wanted to be in the top hundred. Yeah. Uh, and if I wasn't, uh, or if I wasn't close or if I felt like I didn't have the energy to push through, um, then I, I didn't find it that attractive to, you know, uh, continue being 200 or 180 and, and fighting that battle. Um, and I felt like uh, you know other parts of life could uh, um, you know could could be important, yeah. and uh, it could be a very important part of my journey moving forward. Yeah. So uh, you know it was that decision. It wasn't. Uh, it was well thought out. Yeah. Uh, it it was it, it felt sudden, but I, fe- I feel like it was well thought out.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're a, a rash person. That's one <laughs> thing I've I've noticed. As as our little our little buddy joins us here. Uh, some <laughs> dev uh, my my daughter is seven uh, and she re- she refers to Noah as as the little guy as well so okay. I mean that should tell you something we're just yeah. talking about uh, the end of his career uh, and how he came to that decision Noah so uh, welcome to the podcast good to see you again. thanks for having me okay um, <laughs> um, so you you're, you're talking a little bit about how, how hungry you were as a player and how that just kind of dwindled um, is that hunger. Is that something that you, especially now as um, as a coach, can you teach that, or is that innate just in your
2: body, or is you know is it natural or can it be taught? I think it's uh, more natural. I think it can be taught. I think it can be encouraged, uh, but I think I mean no. I'd love to hear your your take on this, but uh, you know I think uh, a big part of that is is natural. Mm. You know uh, I mean I, I, for me I remember stories when I was a kid uh, growing up you know, when we would leave the courts uh, would, we, would be when we couldn't see the ball anymore because mm. uh, we didn't have lights. Uh, and when we were when we could see the ball, we were at the courts at 5 a.m. Mm. Um, because it got too hot to, to play, <laughs> you know, growing up where I did. And we had school and other things. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I was talking to uh, Donskoy just last week yeah. and he gave me a great story about Rublev. He said, you know, once Rublev had a, a stress fracture on his back, and the doc said, you know, this could be dangerous. Uh, don't get out there and play. Um, take two, take two weeks off. And he takes a day off, takes two days off, and they come back to the academy, and Rublev is... They hear these sounds, and Rublev is smashing balls on the wall. <laughs> um, because for him, it was... You know, it's not that it's not that people are forcing him to work hard. Yeah. It's just innate that this is what he wants to do, and I'm not sure that he wants to do anything else, you yes. know? Um, one of my... One of the things I look at players these days, I feel like they don't spend as much time on a court uh, as they as, as maybe we used to it has the game has changed obviously um, but that being said, I feel like uh, you know the, the cool I mean listen for, for me growing up we didn't have the greatest I mean all res- due respect to my coaches we didn't have the greatest technology or you know yeah. the ways that we could you know try and improve uh, and, and have that kind of focused development. So what we had was TV. We didn't have YouTube either. Right. So we had TV. We had the Chennai Open. And the second we saw something on TV, we were like, I can't wait to go and try that. <laughs> and yeah. so when we had, that that's the only thing we had to learn. We would yeah. we would look at these books and magazines and try and see the way people were trying to serve and, you know, three tips to improve your forehand. And, <laughs> and we were those guys that actually didn't, went out and did that because we didn't have anything else. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the balls we played with were, I mean... Uh, uh, Skinny. Yeah. Skinny in skinny in twenty minutes or you know, punctured in, in, yeah. in twenty five. And and so we didn't have scope to complain. So when we got court time, we were like, why would we not play? Yeah. You know, keep in mind there were two we, we I grew up on two courts with about sixty kids. So the second oh. you had time on a court, you yeah. would go out there and play. And a lot of times now I see that there are plenty of courts, plenty of time, and uh, I'm not saying structure is bad. But I, I think kids need to just go out there and play a lot. Yeah.
0: I do think um, I think most of it is natural. I do think that things can be self-taught. I don't know if it could come from an outside source. Um, me, like many other players, have gone through these ups and downs of of wanting it or not. Um, and I think nobody can get you out on that court if you don't want to get out on that court. Exactly. And but I saw that change in me this year where I was like. There's a different feeling. I, I want to be out here. I want to be out here an extra hour, an extra few balls. I want to, you know, do dead ball after I play two sets. You know, little things like that where nobody's really encouraging that, but it was a change from what I was used to two years ago. But, again, I still had that natural idea of I want to be out here. I want to be running around. Um, but for you, did you go through any of these ups and downs? Um, obviously, you had a terrific yeah. career, but and it might not have shown in the rankings, but did you go through these moments where you are like, is this – do I want to be out here an extra hour? Is this something I really want to be doing right now? Uh, I, I mean,
2: the work wasn't the problem, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, how much, I mean, Noah, uh, let's, let's be honest. How much of that <laughs> is directly correlated with results? Yeah, a decent amount. Like, a decent amount, yeah, right? I mean, so, yeah, man, So, I, so I, you know, if, if you feel like a, a good amount of it is directly correlated by results, then the results shouldn't be the thing dictating the way you work right so i felt like a lot of that is a little bit with understanding mm-hmm. and, and and again it's not that it's bad or good it's just that if if you're not willing to be very very committed to your tennis career it's the reality of it especially for guys like you and me who didn't have the <laughs> biggest weapons and you know what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> you know biggest weapons are the way you the way we the way we compete yeah. it's just one of the biggest weapons you know um, then I felt like it always wouldn't be unrealistic to expect us to have the same kind of results when you are that motivated. So I, I feel like that motivating factor is, uh, is a is a huge weapon, maybe unseen though. When you're working now with with Summit,
1: um, what what are the thing, How much are you working with him mentally? How much are you working with him technique? Um, and how do you, as you're you're starting this kind of coaching side, how do you kind of balance those two things with what your experience has been?
2: I think uh, technique is I, I honestly don't think that i'm it's fair for a player for me to come in because again, I'm not full- time I'm, yeah. I'm I'm working with his team along with his team, but right. we're spending about fifteen to twenty weeks on the road. So I don't think it's fair uh, for someone to come in and change something technically because, it may work great here and in two weeks if he has a doubt in his head and I'm I'm not around, then it's just not a a fair place to put a player in, you know, so I don't really want to, I don't touch the whole technique part of it, especially when it comes to hands and things like that. The technique that I will get involved in would be, you know, footwork on returns, uh, footwork on, you know, coming back from a shot, uh, things like that. You know, I think more of it would be, um, I mean, some people call it mental. I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't, necessarily f- label it that way i think it would be the way you perceive the game uh, the way you look at the game and the way you see how things are all connected in terms of you know let's say uh, i mean again you know one of the things that i did not so great in my career or one of the things that people uh, capitalized on was when i would hit a passive shot and i i, I believe that i had the legs to get a, get around it mm. now that while that could be true in many instances, and as you know, most good t- most good tennis players are stubborn, so that's the hardest Not bit. Not this too. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who have you been talking to? Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think it's it's about showing them that you know over time, uh, once you start things in a in a passive way. It's possible to come back, but it's a harder thing in the long run. Mm. So if you can avoid one or two mistakes, especially early in points, um, it's a better way to set up the way you want to play and also the tone you want to set during a match. Um, And I think it's it's things like that. It's things like, uh, you know, a a lot of it would be match management. uh, Understanding, you know, a lot of it is probably, you know, not not wasting energy on things that you don't need to waste energy on because I've always believed that there's a limited amount of energy that a player has and the more they focus on things that they can avoid, then the less energy they have to focus on the things that they need to. So a lot of it is just that, but honestly, with with anybody I would work with, um, you know, I I think two, three weeks is... You know, we're not magicians out here. Even if you do have uh, a good result every two, three weeks... Uh, you know, sometimes we see that you know players come in working with a new coach, and boom, they have a result. Right. Um, but o- over a period of time, I think uh, is 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 how you'll be able to see the impact that a coach can have on a player. And I do think that coaches can have a very uh, healthy, positive impact on on players if if they all work together as a team. Uh, Noah, uh, I want to ask you this: How much of an impact? <laughs> He's a broadcast? He how much, <laughs> how much of an impact can the best coach have? on a player, in your opinion?
0: Um, So I'm actually working with somebody new this week. I mean, I've known him for about 15 years, but kind of starting again with him. And I think it kind of comes around to there's a comfort level. You know, if you have that comfort level, if you're out there, you know, we know how uncomfortable tennis can be as a whole. So if you're there, if you're on your court and you're trusting yourself, and maybe that coach put together that one last piece that kind of, you know, wasn't anything groundbreaking, but it was just enough for you to be like, oh, okay, I feel okay right now. Who knows? That's why I think some of these results come early, and that's why I think some of these results gonna come in two or three weeks. But at the same time, it's not always; it doesn't always sustain throughout, a, you know, a few months because again, it's not groundbreaking. You're still the tennis player you were two weeks ago, so those things are gonna come up again. But um, I'm curious for you. I, I did this; I, I felt it a little bit when I was giving some lessons in New York. Not necessarily that you're going to come back and play, but are there things like you're learning about your own game now because you're seeing it from a different perspective?
2: Is that possible? 100%. Oh. Undoubted. Uh, and I've, I've actually given a few of my coaches a call, and I've apologized. <laughs> <laughs> I, called, uh, I called Scott McCain, and I said, I, I, I now see what you were saying with this aspect. Or, oh, I'm never uh, going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, accurate. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I called a, a couple of my other coaches as well, and I said, yeah, I think you were right. Uh, I just... Give didn't. me one example. Um, I mean, one thing was, you know, uh, sooner, not harder. Uh, mm. You know, because taking the ball sooner takes away time. And if you take away time, you know, take away three feet this way, three feet that way, it's six feet. So you don't have to hit the ball necessarily harder. You have to hit the ball sooner for which you have to have certain things, you know. And, and I think one of the mistakes that I I made, because uh, a lot of it was my own problems, you know, is uh, I, I felt like I, I wasn't hitting the ball hard enough. Um, which was true at many times, but n- not when you're trying to take the ball earlier, and and mm. and uh, uh, and and obviously you need to develop a certain skill for it. But you know, I would always take it earlier, hit it harder, miss it just long, or you know, two two three feet long, and be like, why? And, and I was like, not harder, sooner. And it took me a while, to, and yeah. and it's simple now. You know, in hindsight, everything's 2020. 20, but uh, that's one example, I think. Another one would be, um, you know, to. Uh, I guess, uh, sometimes on returns, again, too passive on returns. uh, And again, you know, when you're playing at the highest level, breaking a guy twice in a match is hard. (laughs) You know, people don't realize that uh, breaking a guy two, three times in a match is hard. Uh, And if you're getting broken, then, you know, do the math. But but yeah, sometimes I would uh, get frustrated because I didn't get the result I wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, Especially with, uh, say, taking a return early and, you know, putting him on defense earlier on a second serve return, or finding the balance between going up and back, or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, you know, just not being able to see long term that if you're playing in a certain pattern and you're playing, uh, you know, you're winning six points and losing four, uh, that's a great strategy. 60% is, yes. <laughs> uh, anybody it's will pretty take good. that. You know, but it's hard to see when you've lost four uh, and, and you aren't able to look at uh, past those 10 points, you, you can't look at the big picture. Uh, sometimes as a player, it's hard to see that. And sometimes as a coach, it can be frustrating yeah. if uh, we're not on the same page with communication.
1: You mentioned a little little while ago, right before Noah got here, you when you were talking about the end of your career, that you didn't want to do it if you were in that 180-200 range and you just didn't want to grind that out. There's obviously uh, been a lot of talk over the last six months with Andrea Gadenzi making the comment about how challenger life should be like a university and you should be graduating pretty quickly. And it just kind of brought up the talk about can we have sustained financial comfort at this level about 180, 200? And I'm just wondering, now that you, you are past it a couple years and coming back from a different perspective, is that realistic to think that somebody who's 200 in the world can have financial stability, and what do we need to achieve that so that the challenger level is is healthy?
2: I mean, if if that's not realistic, then what are the people doing in order to make it realistic? Yeah. You know, I think it's... Uh, maybe we should get Noah in on this. <laughs> <laughs> I talk too much about, you know about my opinion. He's, he's gotten uh, in enough trouble on that. Uh, I, mean, tr- I mean, trouble is one thing, you know, but I think uh, uh, we should be finding a way to, you know make good professional tennis players making more money the truth is they are making more money now than they were 10 years ago yeah. uh, i mean i joke about it with uh, sumit now that you know the first time i played the open I d- it really wasn't that long ago 2009 uh, i i uh, graduated and you it's know like 40 years ago uh, yeah exactly <laughs> um and uh gra you know quality won a round lost uh lost second round I think it was 25 or 26, something along mm. those lines, you know, that I picked up, which I was really happy with at the time. I was very happy with at the time. So sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and now you look at it and, you know, 60 grand for showing up, yeah. uh, close to 100 for winning. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they still have more complaints, you know. Mm-hmm. So the truth is, is that if you look back... Uh, There are improvements, you know, but but I still feel like there could be more, you know, and uh, that's, and I don't see why that's a, I don't see why that's a bad thing. Why would you, as a tennis player, one of the, one of the basic principles that you live by um, is you continuously work on your game, regardless of where you reach, you know, Mm. you look at guys like, uh, you know, the top guys, I mean, people use them as examples all the time, but I don't think work ever stops, you know, so, um, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I've done, but i think when you're a professional at something especially in an aspiring sport like tennis you, you, the principle is you never stop trying to find different ways to improve you know so yes i think tennis players should be be making more money uh, undoubtedly i think there's several ways that they could go about it i, I think uh, i think i think it's healthy to be self critical and 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 find find ways to get better I, I, I honestly don't know any other way to do it yeah
0: Personal question. You can answer this, you know, and yeah, whatever way you want to, but post-career How did you feel financially? Were you okay after the work that you put in being one of the best tennis players in the world for an extended period of time? Did you feel like you got your due after that time?
2: Um, I never th- I, I honestly I never felt like I was due anything uh, so I—it's I, too nice of a guy. We can't <laughs> really no, it—it it, it it no. I, I, let, let me let yeah, me yeah, answer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you know, uh, one thing is I never had, I never felt like I had lavish taste, you know. So um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't into you know buying the ten thousand dollar watch or buying a hundred thousand dollar car. I, it didn't matter to me. I got a, a second hand Honda Civic when I moved back to India because I felt like it made sense, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it didn't bother me at all that I drove it, you know. Um, by the way, a Honda Civic in India is looked at very differently than a Honda <laughs> Civic in America. Just to just to be clear about that. Um, but uh, but you know, uh, so you know, I felt like in in, in that sense, um, could I could I have had more? Could I have? Uh, yeah, un, un, uh, you know, uh, undoubted. Um, I I feel like one of the places where where the ATP fell short, and I actually discussed this with them. I don't know how. Deep in the in the house, that discussion is going to go. But I felt like one of the things where they have lacked very hard was um, helping the players progress to whatever the next move was going to be, you know. Um, and and I felt like, in a sense, you know, apart from the pension, which a handful of players get, um, even and even that is 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 very, you know, it could be better. Let's just say that. Right. Um, I you know I think uh, apart from that, and and honestly, I didn't, I wasn't qualified for pension. I only made four years, oh. and then did nothing about it. And a few years later, some I got a message that hey, you you still get something, and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it felt like I was playing with house money there. But um, did I feel financially secure? Uh, yes, because I did, I never felt like I wanted more that much more, and I never felt like I needed that much more in order to live. Yeah, you know. Uh, could uh, would I have been happier with more. Yes, no question about it. And I think that uh, you know, uh, I was lucky. Let, let, let me just give you a couple examples. You know, I was lucky because I felt like I had a university backing me up. I had a network of of people backing me up. You know, uh, Tony Bresky, who you know so well, uh, people like that, guiding me. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of that I felt like was, you know, having good conversations with the right people, where you felt like they have your best interest. At whatever it is the next step of your life needs to be, you know it could be coaching, which I have no problem with, uh, but it shouldn't be coaching due to lack of choices, right? right? Um, uh, so yeah. you know I I I, I dabbled with uh, you know uh, you know organizations and seeing how they wanted to you know, build a facility, something with India, with with Olympians, with uh, building sport culture, with a lot of different things, with schools, with uh, colleges, with having better events, building a structure, a culture towards training. So all of that stuff was fun, but I also felt like I didn't get any support, you know? Uh, And and one thing I feel like, I don't know if a lot of players feel this, is when you leave, it takes about eight eight months to a year till you feel like you're an outsider. You know, I don't know about how other players feel, this is how I felt. And I'm not necessarily sure that that's a good thing. You know, considering I put eight, ten years into a professional career, and, uh, you know, apart from a random email about, you know, your alumni benefits, which, uh, you know, I wasn't going to go to this, the, the resort in Spain. <laughs> few and far or, between. Yeah. Or, yeah or, or, or get the free, go- no, not free, but, you know, <laughs> discount on the golf clubs. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, apart from that, I, you know, I never felt like, uh, I never felt in- included mm-hmm. uh, with the ATP. I remember going to a few tournaments a couple, couple of times and um, actually having trouble with badges despite mm. being uh, an alumni member and uh, nobody really knew that alumni member can actually get badges. And so then, you know, you do it the simple way, which is, uh, you know, every second person on the tour. So you ask someone for a badge and someone says, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I yeah. never felt like that was the right way to go about it. Yeah. You know, so in that sense, I feel like, uh, and keep in mind, I feel like I still had a good network of people because of prior, prior pro and, you know, felt like I had a good relationship with guys. How would the guy... Ranked 150 or you know 170 uh, feel if uh, who didn't go to college yeah. feel if they if they left the tour I feel like they would feel alone.
0: Yeah, I mean you're personable, you're easy to talk to. Um, I, I think there's a lack of understanding of how important networking is during this time. I mean, you know, if anything else, we're meeting some of the most powerful, and wealthy, and affluent people in the world, and I think a lot of players here can attest that. It's not their priority. I mean, their priority is hitting a tennis ball, of course, but I think there's a lack of understanding of how important that is just to kind of, you know, a conversation here and there to set you up for
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As he gets the ball, it's a man who can never stop. Like we're we're do- he's in the middle of like saying some of his answers, and I still he's just watching tennis right no, behind. No, always the ball. making it's something stopped. up. Yeah.
0: But I, I think there's just a lack of understanding of just how important it is to to make those connections and to meet those people. And that's you're saying of how important that is for your next step because. You know, process of elimination, they're like, I guess I'm going to coach tennis. What else am I going to do? You know, yeah. I'm speaking to South Americans. That is their first answer right off the bat. A lot of the Europeans the same way. So you, I think, are kind of in that 1% that you were set up regardless. I agree. Do you see that with some of your other friends of like, I didn't know what they were going to do kind of thing?
2: Completely agree. Yeah. Exactly. That was, you know, that was kind of the point I was trying to make as well. Um, you know, let's say, for example, um, let's say, for example, you want to set up a tennis academy. Yeah. You know, I think I think there could be ways for a former pro, if he wants to set up a tennis academy, to have some sort of affiliations, uh, and some sort of push from from the tour to set it up better. You know, and and, and and again, you know, I'll tell you this out of experience, you know, setting up a tennis academy and you know, making good profits out of it is not the hardest thing to do. At the same time, and and but but the problem still remains that if a guy that's 250 comes in, uh, you know, let's say that you're a tennis academy in Europe, and you're making whatever X amount from a, a junior player, but the pro can't afford to pay you, but all your energy and effort is going towards the pro. So the coach is now at a, a little bit of a dilemma because they're not sure whether because. What's more exciting, obviously, to get this kid to qualify the US Open and play Roger first round, which is what happened with Sumit a couple of years ago, which was amazing. Yes, You know, took a set off Roger and, you know, that kind of puts a little bit of wind under your, uh, uh, behind your sails to kind of keep you going. But the reality of it is also that, you know, one player that's ranked at that level can't afford to pay you. And we know this because we've all played the game. And uh, and and your academy needs to continuously function mm-hmm. because you, are A, have investors... Uh, and B, you have employees, and th- it needs to function at a certain standard and quality. So I feel like... Now, is that getting better or not? I don't think it is. you know. And I think that's the problem that tennis has had for a very long time, is that uh, the recreational side of the game um, is much more lucrative than the professional side. So if a professional player has to make a rational choice of what they want to go towards... If they want to stick to the pros, it's a hard one. Mm.
0: I just think the outsider discussion that you brought up is extremely disappointing for anybody to, to listen to. I mean, the, how much you put into the sport, your ranking, where you were for four years, and to feel like you were almost never a part of the sport to begin with, like, yeah, poof, I'm gone, it's out of there, um, I think it's disheartening. But uh, I that's I mean, how Mike feels. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, uh, well,
2: well, let me ask you guys a question. You guys have been around... Uh, doing this a little bit more. Let's say you wanted to host a challenger, let's a high challenger, or let's say you wanted ever. to host a, a 250. <laughs> those players suck. Why would I ever <laughs> host <them>? <laughs> 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 Like how realistically, how much time would it take to be able to do that and how hard is it to jump through those loopholes or, or rather follow the right protocol and still do it? I know
1: financially the, the typical thought process is you need whatever the prize money is, you need three X. Okay. So that's what you're looking at financially. So it's, then it becomes how quickly can you at least at the challenger level, right? How quickly can you raise that money? Right. Because there are ATP wants to put on those events. USDA here in the States, they're looking for places to put on the events. Different beast obviously at the ATP when you have licenses and all that that kind of stuff. But it, it just really truly depends on how quickly you can get that financial backing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was working on some of the events that I was working on, and then also talking to like Carrie, yeah. you know, that has a lot of challengers there. Um, and it was, it just seemed like the turnover for sponsorship, and that was what I was dealing with as well. It's just like, oh, we're on board, and tomorrow, eh, we're not really feeling it right now because it was just kind of a free for all. So I think it was a really difficult to get that you know, group of sponsors that would stick with you through the challenger circuit. I mean, you know, we saw what happened in the pandemic, you know, challengers were just thrown to the wayside. A lot of these sponsors like, we don't have the money. You guys are the first person that we're, you know, we're going to say no to. So whether it was like a Binghamton or anything, you know, it was a quick no. Um, so, it's you know, it's because just like anything else, the top of the sport is where the money goes. And I think a lot of people know that and they want their sponsors, you know, to be seen by the you know, or be worn, or be next to some of the top players and most eyes possible, and that's just not the challenger tour. I, I
1: and I think I think to answer your question about how long, <coughs> I mean, as I said, the answer is how quickly you can get the money. But realistically, six to eight months, you could probably get a challenger, futures, something along those lines. Tour right. level, it's a different beast.
0: Tour
2: a level is a different beast. Yeah. yeah,
0: but in the end, it's like, why would you want to? But, you know, I, and it, that's the serious question. You know, but is, or,
2: it, uh, is that the right way? Well, like let's say that. It's a, we let's we say only it's a, said we were going to talk for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry.
1: I got dinner yeah. to catch. <laughs> Leave lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a tough question. Uh, I, I I know we've when we've talked about structure wise, the answer to me is no. I think we can do a lot more to make things very much more regional, so that they're much more financially. Viable, yeah. Have have a location that's willing to host a series of events. I think. I mean, we've seen that yeah. at the futures level, and and has you know nineteen futures yeah. in <laughs> a Lone row, St- right? had fifty, right? Yeah, right. Greece, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it makes some level of sense to have you know that financial stability of it, yeah, yeah, and stability is 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 really important. And you know, we, I, yeah. it's a it's a tough answer, and, and the I think that, yeah the way we have structured it is not, but the ideal
0: the end is. Why would you want to, you know, when we, the one thing that comes together when we're talking to the people that have put on, you know, like a carry that has put it on throughout, you know, the pandemic and not making is because they just love tennis and they really yeah. care about the players. Exactly. That really is what comes down to it. It's not like they're killing it they don't and not need coming out. They don't yeah. need to. Need to yeah. Honestly, it's, it's, it's probably worse for them to have these events going on a lot of the time, especially for a nice club like this to give away this many courts and to have these players, you know, but you know, people like coming and watching the tennis not making real money from this it's not real so it's you know like we said if it could help you know uh, the community around it and, and be a little bit more local that's where i think a, you know the prize thing. can real come but uh, it's going to take some time i don't know if it's ever going to happen so
1: um, we we're, we're going to let you go but I, I t- uh, last night when i when i confirmed that we were actually going to sit down and do this i had i had to go back and i was and i i looked and sure enough you were you were participating in the first challenger i ever broadcast
2: which one was that?
1: Winnetka 2013.
2: Oh, 2013. That was, that was my first Did ever. Did I lose to Jack Sock in the semis? That is correct. <laughs> yeah, it was so quick. Yeah, 7-6 <laughs> seven, seven, in the third. I think I was, I don't remember exactly, but I know I had a lead in the third. I okay. think it was uh, yeah. 76
0: degrees, I believe. That, <laughs> no, it was a that I can't remember. No, I, I will
2: say this funny story about that, though. <laughs> yeah. I was really mad at Jack. Uh, because uh, add, the, add your name to the list yeah, yeah as said, <laughs> it, it adds up. no 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 I was mad at him for a different we were playing doubles that week and we okay. actually made finals um we lost to Yuki and Venus uh, I think 10 eight okay 10 um, eight in the why do I remember this stuff <laughs> um, but but yeah playing Jack in the semis um of of uh of would and I'd beaten him on grass a few weeks before that in Nottingham okay. I think so and and that one he should have won he was up six 2 five Six, one, five, two. one break, wow. one okay. break, but uh, you know, grind, grinded that one out, yeah. and uh, so I'm playing Jack in the semis, and it is hot as hot can be, and I'm, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's India hot, you know, and uh, and Jack <laughs> was <laughs> Jack was uh, yeah Jack was dying, and. I think in the mi- in the middle of the second set I was up a set in a break in the middle of the second set he said his clothes were soaked and he went and took like a 10 12 minute like sit pass bathroom break yeah i was livid because yeah. i was like i this is not fair because <laughs> comes you know, back a new person comes back yeah, a new yeah. person and you know this is not fair and uh, and i and i have always felt that you know maybe maybe i'm biased and probably am because i was like you know fitness is one of my strengths yes. so if i'm out fitnessing you in a match that's your problem. Yeah. I've actually that's worked. The point. <laughs> that's the whole point of what I'm trying to do over here. If I'm, I, and you don't want to be here mentally or physically. And then he came back a new person. Still feel like I should have won. I, I don't remember, uh, but I had a big, big lead. Uh, but 7-6 in the third. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad I gave you some entertainment. Well, the, the
1: night before, I, I don't remember your match, and I'm sure that that's everything you just said is complete. The night before was the Bogomolov. When he walked oh, when off he walked in the off middle, the the, when he walked off the middle of the, against Klan. yeah, you remember that? I kind of do. He just left. It was like a call or something, and he yeah, yeah, there was there yeah, was a call was that had come from the stands, yeah. and he just walked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember and that. It was Just like what? <laughs> I remember that. This is going to be a fun uh, yeah. career that I've gotten <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> myself into.
2: No, but uh, but Mike, I was actually talking about when you told when we confirmed this last night. Uh, Tret and I were having dinner. Tret Huey, and uh, one of the things we actually talked about was again just talking about how we could the, the broader picture yeah you know one of the things I really appreciate about you and watching challenger matches in the states is I feel like uh, people who are in this are all in yes you know and, and when we are watching you it's not generic it's not oh another cross a beautiful drop shot or or, or, or a great serve you know there's like What's happening behind this? What's the game within the game? Let me see how insightful I could be while giving out information. And as I'm in broadcasting right now, I can tell you that when you're doing this with without a co-commentator, yeah. it is yeah. incredibly hard. Yeah. Yes. Because who do you feed off of? And then why shouldn't there be a second opinion? And sometimes you do, but you can't kind of. <laughs> so uh, Mike, uh, what I'm trying to say is thank you. Oh, that's thank you, kind of you because I, th- I do think that having... You know, like just like you said, like uh, having more people, having people host tournaments who actually want to host tournaments makes a tournament good. And having a person be a commentator or do a podcast who actually wants to do it makes it adds that special value to uh, whatever it is that uh, you know we're doing, and even to the listeners. So thank you for your time. It's 2013, nine years, yeah. And uh, you know, hopefully in nine more, we're talking more tennis stories, man. Well,
1: if I hit, yeah. I'll be retirement age. Yeah, that'll
2: Still be a great. Of shit. <laughs> Reti- <laughs> retirement. Re- I mean, uh, was that last year? For me? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? I, I sometimes I can't believe when I when I'm on air, I can't believe I come off and I'm like, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. It's great, right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, so yeah. I I
1: I talk about how lucky I am all the time. This yeah. is exactly what I wanted to do when I was 15. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he, he knew he wanted to be with to me. I, it. Wanted to be, yeah, I wanted to be a co-host. Samdev, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Uh, it's really a pleasure to see you back. And, and as I said, I mean, he's got these shoes on, which he's had on for forever. Oh, my God. The Virginia shirt. Uh, like He hasn't changed. No, yeah. he hasn't changed. Just, so, the hair. just the hair. Just the a hair. A little longer. Just, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mike.
0: The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at noahrubin 33 at Mike C. Tennis and at Behind the Racket.
1: Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.